me ask you to turn to Luke chapter 24. We began reading that earlier, and we'll continue on here in a few minutes. Have you ever been in a moment where you had just experienced something and you knew you'd been there, you, you could relate all the facts of what had taken place, but you just couldn't put together what, what had just happened? It, it, it just didn't make sense to you at that moment. It was confusing. Some of you remember uh, several years ago when uh, I totaled my Toyota RAV4. Now, for those of you that haven't heard this story, basically I was leaving our subdivision, traveling maybe 20, 25 miles an hour, and it was uh, early morning, sun was just coming up. I went around a corner, came out of the Uh, the shade from houses, and as I turned the corner, the sun was right there. It flashed out my windshield. I, I could not see a thing. I hit the brakes, but before my vehicle would stop, uh, I heard this awful noise of crunching metal glass breaking, uh, airbags deploying from the side and from the front, and uh, then I got hit from the rear. The same thing happened to another lady that was uh, behind me, and I I was at a 45-degree angle, and I basically said, what just happened? It was more like, what just happened here? I was just sitting there, and I was stuck in that position. Well, I climbed out. Obviously, I figured out what happened. So, by the way, nobody was hurt. Thank God. But I climbed out, and what had happened was that uh, I had hit a a lawn care trailer and gone up on it, and it, you know, went right into my engine and so on. And uh, so it it was one of those moments where I... I couldn't figure out what had happened. Ironically, a year ago on Easter Saturday, uh, my vehicle, one of my vehicles was parked out in front of a, a house. My nephew had borrowed it, and he was with some friends. It was here in town. And uh, I got a call that said, your car's been totaled. And I said, oh, really? Okay. And so I, I went over there. And uh, the young girl, when she saw that I was the owner, she came up to me and uh, she said, I was coming down the street and the sun was right in my eyes and I said, you could not have picked a better owner to total his car (laughs) who would be more sympathetic, although she was going more like 50 in a subdivision and uh, um, totaled two cars with it. Well, we're about to see two guys who could have told you all the facts of what just happened, 
but they couldn't put it together. They, they couldn't figure out what they had just been through and, and what it meant. I want you to go back some 2,000 years and put yourself in this position. You own a business, maybe a lucrative business. You have a family. You have those things in place that most people would be satisfied with, would be happy with, would be content with, and yet you're not happy and satisfied or content. You're struggling. There's something missing. You don't even... You don't even know what it is that's missing. You talk to a friend who had had some similar feelings, and he says, oh, you've got to come listen to a guy named Jesus. You've got to come hear him. And he convinces you to go and Listen to this Jesus. And, and you go reluctantly. But when you get there, you begin to hear somebody speak in a way you've never heard anyone speak before. Speaking with authority but kindness and love. Speaking not in a surface way that most people speak and even teach, but somehow It's answering those questions, some questions that you didn't even know to ask, and He's speaking to your heart, and you're drawn to Him, and you want to hear Him teach again. You want to hear Him speak some more, and so you begin to be where He is, and you begin to follow Him around, and your your family, understandably, is concerned I say, what, what are you getting into? You're going to get yourself in trouble. This can't be good. And yet, you find yourself continuing to follow Him from place to place. You follow Him, and before you know it, it's been two and a half years. You think to yourself, surely... Soon, He will show His hand. He's got to be the one who will redeem Israel. But then, the tide of public opinion turns against Him. You first hear it here and there, but then, in one week, He is arrested. He is tried and convicted And he is executed. And you can't believe it. And then you begin to hear strange things about where he was buried. And it's confusing. And we pick up with that account of you and your friend, these two people, on the road in verse 13 of Luke 24. That very day, two of them 
were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they'd even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all, all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but, but they urged him strongly saying, uh, stay with us for, for it's toward evening and the day is not far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who Uh, were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, all of us, everyone in this room, somewhere on the road to Emmaus. Don't leave us there, Lord. Instead, will you open our eyes and our hearts and our wills and teach us and mold us and draw us to yourself That's our great need, whether we even know it or not. That's that's the longing that is deep inside. 
So we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we get into this and we talk about these two, I am going to uh, assert something that is really the, the difference between eternal life and eternal suffering. In terms of these two on the road, I believe these two on this road at this point where we pick up with this account were not trusting in Christ for their eternal life. Now you might say, what are you talking about? I mean, look, look at what you just told us. They had walked away from everything. They'd left everything. Look at what they had done. They had followed Him. They, had, they didn't abandon Him. He, was, he had already died. Look at the things that they have done. Why would you say they are not yet trusting in Christ? Let me tell you why I would say that. First of all, they didn't recognize Jesus for who He was. Look at verse 16. It says, Their eyes were kept from recognizing Him. Now, obviously, this is talking about a physical recognition. They would have been walking down the road. Now, remember, they're grieving over a loss. But surely they would have looked at this one that came up upon the road. Somehow, though they would have looked at him, they, they just didn't recognize who he was. Certainly they weren't expecting to see Jesus. But even more than that, Think about what they didn't recognize. Look at how they described him, verse, verse 19. Who is this? He, he was a prophet. He was mighty in word and deed before God and all the people. We had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Now you might say, well, those are good things. They're all true, aren't they? Well, they are as far as they go. But you know, most anyone who was around at that time could have said that. They said, he's a prophet, but they didn't say, he is the prophet, the priest, and the king, the fulfillment of all of those things we've been looking toward. They said, he uh, is mighty and word and deed before God. But they didn't say, He is God. See the difference? It's major. It's not a minor. It's major. And we had hoped that He would be the one to redeem Israel. But they didn't recognize Him, that He would be the Redeemer of not only Israel, but people from all nations, as the Scripture said would take place. So what they had was an intellectual understanding of who he was. 
They had an outward understanding that anybody that was around him for any length of time could have had. You know what kind of understanding they had? The kind that somebody watching uh, the Bible show on the History Channel could have had. Recognizing these outward things. But at this point, I'm convinced they didn't have a heart knowledge. Look at how they were bewildered by the events that took place. Verse 15, when they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. There's a, the uh, confusion. And verse 17, he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? They stood still, looking sad. Now, uh, think about the events. You had the, the triumphal entry. Maybe at that point, they would have been saying, okay, finally, he's going to assert himself. Look, he's got the crowds following him. This would be a great time for that to happen. And no doubt many at that point thought he would, as it were, show his hand and become the Redeemer of Israel from the Romans is the way they were looking at it. But then, as the week goes on, they see a cleansing of a temple. Yes, he's going to change things. And then they hear tender words. They hear instruction. They see him betrayed and arrested. Surely, at this point, he will show his power and then he's convicted, and then he's put on a cross, and they see him taken off the cross, dead, and put in a tomb. That was their week. Now they're headed back. What else should we do? We've got nowhere to go. Perhaps they were thinking at this point, We've got to go back to our family who has been saying, I told you, I told you you'd get in trouble. Why wouldn't you listen to us? And they had walked away from their families. Maybe they were thinking, how could we have been so foolish? Maybe they were even fearing for their lives, wondering, will we be next? Will all those who were around him so often like us be arrested and crucified. You see, they had a problem in their trying to interpret the human events. They had all the facts. They understood if you had quizzed them, they could have said what happened in what order. They could have talked to you about his teaching. They understood all of those things. They knew all about Jesus, but they didn't know him personally. That's why I believe they weren't yet trusting Christ. And that's a deadly place to be. Now, earlier when I prayed, I, I said we're all on the, this road. We are somewhere on this road. But I don't want you, if you find yourself where they are, I don't want you to stay there. Because that's a deadly place 
to stay. And so, what next for them? Well, I want you to look at what I've called their process of coming to Christ. Now, I don't have any question that there are many in this room that if you ask, you know, you ask them about how did you come to Christ, a number of you would say, well, I can tell you exactly where it was, when it was, what was going on. Some of you know the date, the time, all of the circumstances, and some of you can talk about a profound change that took place right then and there. But then there's others of you. And by the way, that's most of us. That may not be like Saul to Paul, like that kind of a conversion. But you can say, you know what? I I remember what my life was like and I remember when I wasn't believing and now I'm believing. I'm not sure where in here it took place exactly, but all I can tell you is that it took place. And so from our perspective, there is a point where you pass from death to life. There is that point. But we don't always know what it is, so it looks more like a process, and and that's what we see basically with them. Now, what was involved in their process? The, The first thing we see is they were confronted by the truth. It says, verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, I want you to notice what he did not do. He did not begin with their experience. He didn't say, so how you feeling about all this? Um, You know, tell me what some of your needs are and that kind of thing. Not that Jesus wasn't concerned about that, but that's not where he started. He started with the truth from the Word of God that they would have known of. Now notice what it says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Uh, usually in the, in the New Testament especially, if it talks about Moses and the prophets, it's not talking about just the man Moses, it's talking about him and all of his teachings, which would be basically the first five books of the Bible. And then the prophets, you, you know what some of them would be. So you might say, well, are you telling me that Even in Moses, it talked about a Savior, a Messiah. Where was that? Well, let's think what he could have said to them. He could have said, let me tell you about what was taught in Genesis. Do you remember Cloopus and whatever his friend's name was? Do you remember in Genesis where it talks about sin coming into the world and and Adam and Eve and when they fell into sin. Do you remember that? Of course we do. Do you remember at the end of that there's a curse? But not only a curse, there is a promise. The first promise that there is hope and there will be redemption. Do you remember that? And then... Do you remember, he could have said, 
Do you remember when Moses received the Ten Commandments and he gave the commandments to his people? Do you remember that? Of course we do. And do you know how in, in, the, life of, in the life of Israel and in your life, you haven't been able to keep the commandments? And they would have had to say, yes, of course. He said that points out your need for a Messiah. And do you remember all the sacrifices that were made every year for sin? Of course we do. And, and things like Passover that we celebrated even this last week that all were looking forward to a Messiah coming. And He could have gone through Moses in that way. And then He could have gone to the prophets and said, and, and remember the prophets where they talked about a virgin birth of that one that was to come. And how one of the prophets, Micah, talked about where the birth would be in Bethlehem. And then remember Isaiah? How he talked about the nature of this Messiah. He, that he would be a servant and that he would be a suffering servant. Do you remember all we, like sheep, have gone astray and each one has turned to his own way? Do you remember? And so they were confronted again and again by the truth of what the Messiah would be and who he would be. And there they had the truth in front of him. And then the conviction came. And it's conviction from God. That's the only place it can come. Verse 32 says, They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road, while He opened to us the Scriptures? This is not heartburn. It's a burning heart. And it came from God. You see, they, they look back and they said somehow He was speaking to our hearts. And if we're all on the road, you now have been presented with the truth. And what will you do with it? Well, you can plop down on the road and say, that's it, I'm staying here, I'm stuck here, I'm not interested. You can do that. Or if somehow through our time of worship, your heart has been warmed, your understanding, your desire, look, if any of that's happened in you, it's God working. You will see in the outline, if you find yourself there, you'll see a little prayer that you can pray. Now, I'm not, there's nothing magical about that prayer. Those are my words. I put it together. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. But if, if you are at that point on the road 
make those words your own and, and talk to the Lord about it. And then move forward on that road. For the Christ follower, for you who were on the road and you said, you know what, I came here, I, I get it, I'm trusting in Christ. So what's my response here? Look at, look at what happened to them then when they came to Christ. It says, verse 33, And they rose that same hour, returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. They made a U-turn on the road to Emmaus. And they said, we're not, we're not going back home. We're going back. We got to tell. We got to tell them what we've experienced. And that's our calling for the believer. If, if that's really happened in your life, then you, you got to tell others. And you know what? If you got no desire to tell others, I would wonder if nothing's really ever happened there. And I can't answer that. You've, you've got to deal with that with the Lord. Connie and I have taken numerous trips to England. Uh, we, we've done that uh, in my role as a pastor because we uh, were um, pastors to the church planters over there, uh, the ones that have gone out, uh, Americans and so on. And so we would go around and we would visit with them and counsel with them and try to encourage them and listen to them and spend some time with them and, and so on. One of the, the couples that we would see every year, and they've just retired, but they were real historians about England. They loved the history of, of England, and there's so much there. And I, I'm bad on history, you know. And so they always wanted to take us to see something historic. And if you ever go to England, you will see it is full of historic churches. And so after we'd seen them a, a number of times and I, I got to, to know them, you know, I, we'd get there the first day and uh, I'd say, now, Barbara, you're not going to take us to see some old church again, are you, you know? And uh, she'd say, well, there's this, this one over there, you know, and, and so on. And she wanted to take us. And I said, I thought I'd seen every old church in England, you know. But we would go to them, and I, I really would enjoy it because it, uh, it was fascinating. But here's what you will see when you go into uh, the old churches. They're big or, or small. You will see uh, these stone floors. They're very cold in the wintertime inside there. And on these stone floors, either on, on the main floor and sometimes underneath the sanctuary, that's where they would bury people. And you will see, one after another, it says, here lies the bones of... And then it will say who it was. And it, it, it may be... Uh, a minister, it may be a general, it may be a hero, it may be a common person, uh, any number of things. And it, it would say simply, here lies the bones of. Contrast that with the tomb of Jesus. 
It does not say, here lies the bones of Jesus. Instead, there's the epitaph of the angels. Why are you looking here among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. That's the difference. And that makes all the difference. Earthly greatness ends at the grave. The greatness of Christ is demonstrated in His power of walking out of the grave. Here's what it means. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever you are facing, to trust in Christ, know this. You can be encouraged. He has overcome the world. Let's bow together. Lord, will you give us faith to believe this? Will you help us to move down the road with you and not stand behind, watching you ever diminish as you continue on? But Lord, we need you to open our eyes. And so we pray for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.